Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 32 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. It took a long time because there's a lot going on in Play Fusion right now, but I was finally able to track down my next two guests. I am, of course, talking about the creators of the Lightseekers TCG, Chris and Benny. They've been on the show before. Not only did they kick off the show on episode one, but then they were back with me just before the launch of Wave 2, or Lightseekers Mythical, to discuss that new set that was coming out. But now I wanted to bring them back on to actually let them talk about some of the decks that they've been able to make since Wave 2 has officially been released. Obviously, they've had a lot more time to play with these cards than some some of us have, but I wanted to find out what's going on in their heads, what kind of decks they like to build, what kind of cards they're using, and see if that spurs on some creativity within the community. I apologize for some of the uh, extra background noise you might hear throughout this episode. It did take a while to track down time that would work for both Chris, Benny, and myself, and it turns out we had to do it while they were away from the office, they're at their own homes, and that means there's going to be some background noise. In particular, you might hear on Benny's end a sick little five-year-old girl. Benny's doing what he needs to do as a dad, so I can't blame him for that. I'm just thankful that we were able to get him on the show, and I hope the episodes will be good enough that you can kind of ignore what's going on in the background. Uh, I'll do what I can, of course, in the editing process, but there's only so much I can do. As always, I had a lot of fun talking with these guys, so I'm hoping you enjoy what we got out of it. As I usually do with these two guys, I'm going to split this up into two episodes. So the first deck today is going to come from Chris, and then the second deck from Benny will come next week. So I hope you'll stay tuned for both of those. The show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 032. It's deliverycrab.com slash 032. With that being said, let's jump into the interview. I was finally able to get you guys back. Chris and Benny, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thank you. And it sounds like we might have a few visitors in the background as well. Yeah. Yeah, Chris's Skype image is a cat, which has... <laughs> yes, it is a kitty. <laughs> so, I haven't been able to talk to you guys for a while. I think we last talked right before, or either right after Mythical came out. Uh, yeah, so- right before, I think, the week before. Okay, okay. So, we, we got your thoughts on on the new set coming out and that type of thing, but... Now, now I gotta ask. Since at, since the new set came out, what have you been up to? <laughs> going well, we've been doing all sorts really. But yeah, so we've obviously got set three, which is a big one, um, which we've been working on very recently, and we've also been focusing on the digital game as well, which we talked a bit on last time. Very uh, true. Pretty much kept us busy, um, as well as other products as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been a few very busy months. Very. Uh, but yeah, uh, just these last few weeks have been nothing but digital TCG and uh, uh, the uh, yeah, Wave 3. Yeah, that's good to hear. I, I mean, I I don't expect you guys ever get much of a, a break 
at work with, with, with a game like this now that people are probably going to start expecting new new stuff to be coming out every few months. I, there's there's no no time for that. So you mentioned the digital TCG. I, I think last we heard mid June was kind of the the target date. Is that is that still holding true? Uh, yep, we're still working to very similar dates with mid-June being like a, an early sort of look at it for the wider or like a, a wider community. Okay. Um, it's looking very good. Like if you guys saw the, um, the uh, like teaser video that came out a few weeks back, um, it's it's come a long way since then. I, I think we agree on and uh, it's starting to look really, really good. All the systems are coming together. Still finding the odd card interaction and rule thing crop up with them, as you might expect. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of people enjoying it. Um, yeah, that's where I've got my deck list stored. Um, yeah, catch Benny on online in the morning when I get to the office early. He's still getting Caitlin ready for school. We end up having a little game. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's looking really good, I'd say. Very happy with how it's coming along. Wonderful. Uh, in the meantime, though, like I, I kind of stopped you guys last time I, I from sharing deck lists with us because the set was so new and I didn't want to... I, I wanted to see what other people could come up with before we got an idea of what you guys have obviously been playing with for many months now. So I wanted to invite you back on before we get to set three and see some of your set two fav- kind of favorites, I guess. Yeah. And I think I want to start with the deck that Chris brought along. Okay. It looks like a Captain Blacktail deck. Yeah. <laughs> which... Kind of is exciting for me because Captain Blacktail is definitely my favorite mythic. Oh, really? Cool. And I've just been struggling with to, to actually find a deck that works. Okay. And so I, I, I'm curious to see. I, I do have a few questions about this one. Obviously, I think you, you may know wh- which direction I'm going. This probably some odd, yeah, obvious questions. It's a different one. Yeah. Yes. But. If you wanna, uh, I, I think you kind of know the routine by now. Give me a rundown of the cards that are in the deck, and then we'll break down a little bit. All right, so I'll just I'll go straight through the deck list then, as you said. So we've got um, the here is Captain Blacktail, who is uh, she's superior Luna and Air, and Lightning on the side as well. She has an ability uh, to do three damage if the last discarded card is not an attack card. So if they've attacked me, I can't. I can't deal damage back to them with the ability, but if it's a defender or buff that's expired, then it's all good. Um, so this is where it's going to get interesting immediately. My combo choices have been Blood Moon, which is Astral and Dread. <laughs> um, she does not have access to Dread immediately. Um, my next combo is Chilling Curse, which is Storm and Dread. And then we've got Full Moon, which is Double Luna. Ghostly Grass, which is Double Shadow. And Tsunami, which is the uh, cross combo for uh, Astral and Storm. So there's a uh, an interesting choice of combos for someone that doesn't have access to Dread, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, action cards, we've got not uh, not a lot of air. We've got two Dust Fiends, one Hurricane Spirit, and as you'd expect, three Thunder Slugs. Uh, Luna is where it gets a bit heavier. So we've got three Lunar Offerings, one Lunar Shrieker, one Moonlight Barua, one Skywood Observatory, two Snowcast Elders, two Subjugators, three Yakona Oracles. And then I have no Lightning cards. <laughs> Instead, I have Shadow cards. I have three Abyss Tentacles, three Abyss Weavers, one Grim Glider, one Shade Ripper. And then to finish it off unaligned, I've got Colossi Artifact, one Blacksmith, and one Unruly Mob. And that's the list. Yeah. So, <laughs> like you alluded to, like, I mean, when you start off a list with Blood Moon, like you said, <laughs> it's that, that, that doesn't, I mean, Tsunami is just about the only one in that list that I would expect to be there. 
Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> right, maybe yeah, full moon, but even that, like, it's it, it's a minority in the list. So, it, well, in most lists, at least. But then, I mean, the lunar cards in here are way more than I would have expected as well. So, it, it it's a lot to unpack <laughs> right now. Um, this list was very surprising to me, but I, I I'm curious to know how it actually ha- works. Um, yeah. So. I have a, I have a, this is my, I, I test this in the digital game a lot actually. And sure. it's, uh, it's based around the ability oh. to some degree. Um, also about how is, if I can get to mid, mid game onwards, it basically gets through the entire game very, very reliably and the damage creeps up and up and gets worse and worse, uh, with the combos supporting that. So, um, just running through the cards, I've got the Dust Fiends for combo payment, as you might expect. Mm-hmm. In a pinch, four damage might end up getting me the kill um, after some of the moves, as I'll go over in a, in a second. The uh, Hurricane Spirit is obviously for uh, a bit of quicker draw. Uh, Thunder Slugs, as you might expect. Thunder Slugs very good with Blacktail, because obviously it forces a buff to go on top, because uh, I debuff them, and then that guarantees I can use the ability for three damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so Luna is where it gets interesting. So I've got three Lunar Offerings. For the people that aren't familiar with that, it's uh, nothing, 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 and then a defendability to do 11 healing, which is obviously a big, big heal. Um, provided they haven't got any Creeble Monks or Fountain of Times, this one <laughs> serves as a very good as a very good healing. If nothing else, I find it baits a lot of dispels sometimes. If they want to kill me, they have to sort of waste a dispel on this, or, or a buff removal, should I say. It's also cool on the next turn, if it rotates once and I need the healing, I can put a subject out, which stops a lot of the um, remove buff cards. Like, I can't be Crystal Leech, so as the as the subjugator expires, I can guarantee use the Lunar Offering, which is kind of useful because obviously it's a massive heal. Um, it's an ability, so it goes very well if I have tentacles or weavers out. And obviously, it can be buffed by full moon, but that's a lot of healing at that point. <laughs> um, Luna Shrieker, I sort of, I sort of tweak this every now and then. So Luna Shrieker only have one of at the moment, but um, it basically means if your last discarded card is not astral, you can return it to your hand. I could return a Hurricane Spirit if I really wanted to, but I generally use this for if my tentacles or weavers get dispelled, I can pick them back up immediately and play them. Obviously, with being dread, I have multiple in play a lot of the time. So if I pick up a tentacle, I get the extra action from Luna Shrieker. I can replay the tentacle, which gives me an extra action. I'm basically back where I was a second ago, except the opponent's a bit annoyed because they've just removed that buff. <laughs> um, so it's quite nice. I, I, I tend to go between like one and two of those sometimes. Moonlight Burrow is a similar deal. I find if I'm struggling to get the cards I need at the start, I might just um, play this on an air card if I want to, like a Hurricane Spirit that's expired or anything that's expired that gives me the extraction um, if not Astral's on top. But otherwise, I might just use it anyway because it looks at the top four cards and that might allow me to get to a Blacksmith quicker or something I need quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, failing that, it's it's just a useful thing to, to, I find to have just to pull out like a, a Thunder Slug in, in, in emergencies if I'm not having the right cards um, or combo payment. I've, I've used it for that as well. Uh, the Scarlet Observatory, I only have one of, but I find it works very, very well with Dread, because obviously it increases damage and healing by two on the, yeah. the second third corner. So if you've got Weavers or Tentacles in play, that's three healing per ability per Weaver and three damage, uh, four damage, sorry, per Tentacle when I use an ability. And they're already nasty enough when I use an ability. So that really sort of yeah chips it up. It also does minor things to me as well. Like it buffs Snowcast Elder, which is only a two heal extraction, mm-hmm. buffs it to four heal extractions. Again, little things like this help it stay in the game. Um, it's definitely susceptible to rush a bit at the start, but I found with the right cards and like a bit of luck on the draw, I can actually still survive that. The Snowcast Elders, I, I sort of touched on that a bit. Subjugator, sort of self-explanatory. I use it to protect Lunar Offerings or protect um, my Dread cards um, for a couple of turns, which you know guarantees me a fair amount of damage output. Um, Yakona Oracles, I tend to play these proactively. Um, again, to force to dispel or force the other player to wait it out 
and that gives me time to get my cards. Um, or if nothing else, if they're playing buffs, obviously I can play it out just to soak it up. It's quite a nice, other than the first corner missing, three, three damage reduction is not to be scoffed at. You know, it soaks up a lot of dread tentacles, for example, uh, things like that. So that's just a, a solid card to help me get through. Um, dread, <laughs> also shadow specifically. Mm-hmm. I have one shade ripper, um, so it's superior shadow, um, no ability. Um, I have this for a reason that I won't disclose quite yet. <laughs> uh, it does give you superior shadow, which is useful in this deck, but okay. it also it's uh, a bit of future proofing, shall we say? Um, I have a grim glider as well, so I only went with uh, one blacksmith. So I have one blacksmith, two items. So hopefully, something to do with the items will come out of the ether quick enough. Um, the grim glider has a little bit of benefit of um, if I have more formal buffs out, it just does another one damage at the start of my turn. Obviously, with permanent dread buffs like the tentacles and the weavers, that's very likely. It's, it's surprising how much that ends up giving me that extra one to finish off, finish him off with the turn. Um, that's why I've got that there. Um, a one class artifact because I have one of these in every single deck. Uh, it's basically my storm. You put a storm shaman out, I put a class artifact out. Um, sure. I find it incredibly useful against a lot of plays like Pritchan. Anything buffed by ritual site, anything buffed by damage increase, I got a lot of respectful class artifact. <laughs> for what it's worth, it when it ends up on the discard, I can obviously use it as it's not astral for lunar offering, lunar shrieker, for, uh, lunar moonlight burrower, and lunar shrieker to pick it back up if I really need that sort of protection. Uh, I got one blacksmith uh, to force draw one of the weapons. I I generally favour pulling the shade ripper because putting a tentacle and a weave of in the same turn gives me um you know a bit of setup speed as well as getting the extra action or the extra healing from the tentacle or the weaver and then unruly mob um i i drop it in every now and then i might swap this out uh, i sort of it's basically rush protection um because it, mm-hmm. it annoys the hell out of anyone who's playing rush absolutely um, uh it's another one that's just permanent gets in the way it does a little bit of damage when they attack, but it's generally the, the rush that I find very useful. They have to waste the spell, uh, the buffer removal on it, and then that means I've got more chance to keep my tentacles, weavers, lunar offerings, all that stuff in play. That's about it for the rundown of the individual cards. Um, the main plays I, I try to go for is obviously it's about getting the dread buffs in play, and this is mainly because people people don't realize this a lot. We actually had a few um, staff give me bug reports on the digital game about <laughs> Captain Blacktail. Uh, that the catch is. You can use the ability, even if their last discarded card is an attack card. It just doesn't do the damage. Uh, and that's important in this deck. Yeah, because yeah that is very still important. Tentacles. Exactly, so I can use it. It might fail, but if I have three tentacles out, that's still six damage and any mm-hmm. weaver healing off. And that obviously amounts in some very cool turns where even if they think they're protected because they have the attack card on top, I'm still using an, an ability to fire the tentacles for yeah, you know, a fair yeah. amount of Yeah, so it just means Blacktail's not going to hurt them at all because they have Precisely. the attack card there, but you can still do yeah. damage. Exactly. So <laughs> Nothing's preventing then, that. Exactly. So, yeah, so I couple that with having my, like, one Skyward Observatory out and the Subjugator on the next go, they can't attack me to get rid of it. And then, you know, I can then do tentacles, like, for four, four, four damage and then the extra three on Blacktail um, as well. So this is massive like trickle hits mm-hmm. um and then i use the combos to make it more annoying <laughs> so I, I tend to hold on to the dust fiends i never usually play them unless it guarantees like unless the four damage is a kill sure i'll use those or maybe hold on to a weaver even the grim glider sometimes i won't play because it's good combo uh, fodder for ghostly grasp so if they do happen to get rid of my tentacles and weavers i can pick up three discarded action cards from my discard and that'll usually be the dread cards because um, they obviously just give me that flexibility to survive. And when I replay them, they give me the enter's play effect. And I, with the Shade Ripper, I can choose which one, which way to play them. So if I want, if I'm at decent health, I'll play the Weaver and then the Tentacle for the extraction, which might then be using Blacktail immediately to get 
the trickle healing and damage <laughs> as described. Or if I'm low health, I can play the technical and then the weaver for four healing. Um, couple this with some amazing turns where they've used all their buff removal. I can put full moon in, or I can even put a subjugator in first turn, and then the next go protect it, protect full moon's first corner with the subjugator. Um, and then that is horrible. I feel bad for anyone I play with this because the weavers get increased. Uh, so full moon, sorry, means and, and the person you select cannot play combos, but it also increases healing from the corner value, which is 444. Mm-hmm. 4444. Um, and obviously, when I use an abyss weaver, which is when I use an ability, it gives me one healing. Every weaver is five healing. <laughs> so. One one use of Blacktail can actually heal me 15 health, um, and that's if I don't use a Snowcast Elder for another six, or even uh, add another Weaver to the mix. It does four healing when it enters play. That becomes 88 healing when it enters play. Um, so it's got a got pretty um, synergies down there. Obviously, it gets a bit dangerous when I get low, but that's sort of when I can put some pressure on as well. Yeah, Chilling uh, Curse is a, is an obvious combo choice for me because just a big fan of it. Like the one action sort of stifles them a lot. Uh, and it does damage as well. Again, if I'm in a good position, I can put uh, the Scarlet Observatory out, and that buffs the corner of the Chilling Curse as well as any Dread stuff in play. Mm-hmm. Chilling Curse is my only buff in play. It, it triggers um, the Enter's play for Tentacles and Weavers because it counts as a Shadow buff in play. If they if they remove it, I could play Blood Moon. So if a buff is on top of my discard, I can do 13 damage. <laughs> and you know, sometimes Tsunami, I, I play again. It's an amazing card for getting them to. You know, waste uh, or not waste. Use a, a a buff removal card again. It puts buff on top. So if I have Blood Moon in hand, I can smack them for thirteen if they remove my fourteen damage combo. If tsunami happens to go off, it's generally terrible news because it's fourteen damage and I get three actions. Mm-hmm. One of those is probably going to be something to do with the dread stuff, which will either result in, you know, two to well two damage minimum with one technical. But obviously, any technical in play and buffs on top means more from Black Towers described. So it sort of just gets a bit nasty <laughs> uh, yeah. but it's a lot of fun to play because it's well, yeah as i said i have no lightning cards um that, i decided to go full dread that's th- that that was a big surprise d- definitely i i i knew right away things were things were getting weird when i looked at that combo list and it, it's something i've wanted to try i i don't think i've ever uh, no maybe i did test one deck once that mm-hmm. had like three cross order combos, which yeah. right now where we are, where there's only like one pairing of each. If you yeah. have three cross order combos, that means you're, you're you're going into three different orders. Yeah, and so it's that is something. I I just have to wonder how smoothly, how consistent that can actually be when 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 you have. I mean. Your tsunami, like I said, is is the one that makes sense. Yep. But then to play either of the other two, you have to have dread out there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I went with three things to support it. So one blacksmith, one grim glider, one shade ripper. Assume I get one out for the payment. You also have the dust fiends. I can help out. So. Yes, yeah, that's why they have the dust fiends. Like I said, I never play the dust fiends as four damage. I use them to count as any element. That, that's even more interesting when you think if you think of the dust fiends as payment for dread. Mm-hmm. Then you only have four storm cards with yep. a hero a, that has yeah two storm elements. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's but yeah, like I said, I I went around the ability thing um, just to try it out because if a defend card or a, like I said, the amount of times I get a kill just from my first action being a thunder slug, and mm-hmm. then 
maybe a one trickle from the Grim Glider already, and then two, two, two technical, three for Blacktail. Yeah, that's a that's a nasty amount of damage for a one action. So, so how often do you think you actually use Blacktail's ability? Well, okay, I mean, with, with those dread cards out there, like, I mean, it, it makes even more sense. I'll, I'll use it, it all but, the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially the, the the nastiest thing is when someone gets low against this, mm-hmm. they play like a Tyrex Fixer. It puts a defend card on top unless they attack <laughs> me afterwards. And then one action immediately undoes it again because it's tentacle, tentacle, mm-hmm. three damage. And that's undone a full power Tyrex Fixer. If I have the third tentacle out, it's, it's overdoing it. So um, it, I do feel bad sometimes when I play it when they've just defended <laughs> themselves. And, and there's nice side effects as well. Sometimes a Lunar Offering. Um, can trigger extra weavers and tentacles as well just for the act of using the ability if it gets there. Um, and I can protect it with the subjugator, which is surprisingly effective. Sometimes time guys rotate it away, but that's sort of I have to soak that up just because you know I have to they have to spend their fountain of times on something. I'd rather they do it on that um, than uh, stuff like you know your cone oracle, which might tank against. Uh, Tech's a good example, right? Because a lot of people play maniacal machines now mm-hmm. and uh, unstable defenders. So uh, you know the oracles are very useful for stuff like that as well as as well as playing just standard dread um, but yes it's, it's not all about the the dread combos i i, I must say the, the the rarer ones i play are actually blood moon and chilling curse but when the when the opportunity arises it's always they're very nasty combos to play like i tend to have a buff on top and chilling curse is just a nasty combo as well so you'd say the bulk of your damage comes from the the abyss tentacles yep and then okay. And then yeah, there's usually the opportunistic um, Blood Moon, Chilling Curse, or Absolutely, Tsunami going off, yeah. because I try and bait them with Lunar Offerings. So, okay, the the, the Lunar Offerings then, because that's that's the biggest problem I've had with Blacktail up to, with, with what I've been trying. It's like, I can't kill them fast enough, so I need to heal at some point. But, yep, and you can't dust feed her. <laughs> exactly, yeah. With, with just access to Lunar, like... You, like lunar offering seems like it should be your best option, but it takes so long to get there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I tend to play it like um, proactively sometimes. Like sometimes even if it's in like my starting hand or like they've just hit me once on the first turn, I'll play it just mm-hmm. because I'll probably get like a decent like you know over six healing out of it. And then it's just a case of it's like having just one astronomer in play. It's like you know there's probably gonna be something better that you need to remove down the line, but do you really want to let this get all the way? I suppose. So I find it's it's I find it's incredible bait for like them needing to get rid of it. And like there's only a few decent counters in tech or stuff like Creeble Monk, which they have to use at some point anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is why I went into Shadow as well. Like you said, I like and flame chain warrior. <laughs> Good old flame chain warrior. <laughs> no, it's too late then, isn't it? No, no, they do ten before ten before. Yes, yeah, so it's it's sort of why I went into Dread, because the Weavers enter in play, give four healing. Anytime I use an ability, it's trickle ones. The Sky Observatory might buff that to threes. The Full Moon buffs it to fives. So I'm trying to use Dread to like uh, support the the lack of healing, but also put some pressure on with the Tentacles. And with the Shade Ripper, I can put both out in the same turn, so I can, you know, pick, like I said, pick if I want the healing or the extraction. And the extraction usually goes on Blacktail if the situation's right, because then it's two damage Tentacle, one healing three damage black tail and that you know you start putting pressure on whilst you know maintaining a bit of an advantage sure but yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun <laughs> i'm sure it is yeah 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 I mean, it's actually worth mentioning on some of those cards uh some of the cards that came in uh for lunar was because of a well, black thing in this case by just the mythic heroes yes. because yes. they were, what we do you were do when always you kind of going into uh, the the cross-order heroes and 
lunar or well anything astral just kind of feeling like it's not living up to it and that's with parts like a moonlight borrower a lunar shrieker and also a lunar offering game just make sure that whoever's landed with that one astral element can still do something with it and mm-hmm. um, also lunar offering tends to go well with the other black table decks often contain a uh, storm conduit Yes, sir. Uh, oh, yeah, so that was that was one of the original versions of this, wasn't it? We were <laughs> testing it at Benny's house one day, and it had a... What was out? It was a, oh, yeah, Numbron Brute and a Lunar Offering were in play. Mm-hmm. And then the turn before the uh, the Lunar Offering went to its 11, I put a Storm Shaman out, and then it hit. I Then I used, played Storm Conduit instead, and yeah. it hit for 11 plus the 7 plus the 4 damage, and then and then 4 on top for the Storm Shaman, <laughs> which is uh, a massive, <laughs> massive hit. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had some fun playing around with that Storm Conduit, but... Uh, it n- nothing you know too consistent that you can count on, but mm-hmm. when it lines up, it's very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are there are quite a few cards that like clunky box with corners uh, or with corner values are just nice with stacking it up. Mm-hmm. And the lunar offering is a a lot of people don't think damage will come in on the turn that lunar offering comes home. Yeah. So yeah, it, it takes people by surprise quite often. Yeah, with one myself one included. <laughs> It was Benny that took that hit, yeah. But like with the, uh, yeah, like Storm Conduit is a very cool thing for that. Yeah, you can easily turn, like with one Lunar Offering and a few other buffs out, you can easily surpass Time Collapse um, for a four card combo. So yeah, it's uh, a nasty swap if you wanted to go more out of Dread and you know, put the different combos in. Obviously, you've got, um, what's it? Cleansing Wind is the other one. Yep. So I, I, I did start there because they can be paid for each other as well, but I ended up trying to go Dread Tail. <laughs> <laughs> So, Benny, I have to ask, did you ha- have you played against this deck very much? Uh, I haven't played against it much, no. I've mostly been watching him play people in the office with it. Okay. Because uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's quite, it's not that new now. You've had it around for a month or a month and a half, maybe? Yeah, yeah, i played a fair bit. I can't remember exactly how long it's been around for, but I haven't actually played against that specifically. Because, yeah, there's I- been... Yeah, I test against Danny a lot because Danny has some very tried and tested Wave One and modified into Wave Two decks. Sure, and it's it's going very well against him because <laughs> he has some horrible decks. I usually <laughs> use him as my benchmark, and he even got through his rush deck with it, which is surprising considering I do sort of rely on weird sort of flash hills from Weavers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a Blacktail rush deck as well, which was quite fun to, to try against. But yeah, it's it's a bit more volatile because obviously you are you are reliant on a bit of the dread stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I played. I, I yeah, I played one of our co-founders, Rian, <laughs> like one of the guys at the top of the company on it. Yeah, he did not enjoy playing this deck because he was—he's he, he's like a, yeah, a dollo bro, so he just kept crystal leeching all my dread stuff, and then I'd immediately ghostly grasp it and then replay it. And yep. he's like, it's literally the turn he's after he's done it. Like I've ghostly grasped, said next go, they're back out and play, and he's down the crystal leech. <laughs> so, not not happy, and then he dispelled like got rid of it again, and I Luna Shriek at it. <laughs> just like they just keep coming back, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I can you know have a bit more freedom with you know the stupid things like Full Moon for mass healing and technically him down as well. Yeah, he, he didn't have a he didn't have a good time. But I did. <laughs> so, so is there something that you found that consistently beats this deck though? Uh, it's very volatile against straight up like hardcore rush because okay. I do need to get some items out. Uh, if I don't pull the blacksmith, this is where I probably swap out some different cards. But um, if I don't get the blacksmith, obviously the run really mobs good against Rush. I think that's what won me against against Danny because he had to wait for a dispel uh, a move to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But if I don't get the Shade Ripper via 
pulling it directly or the blacksmith i find it might struggle a bit because obviously i i don't get the flash heels from the weavers and then like you said i'm stuck waiting for some lunar offerings yeah and there's only so much snowcast elder is going to help me oh, but this is right against rush if i knew it was rush deck i'd probably preemptively play the yukon oracle even if they haven't actually damaged me because it forces them to either get rid of it or you know have sneak three balls yeah. it slows it down and that that gives me some draw um yeah. but yeah that's, that's it definitely toughens against that sorry and that's even more valid to the mob then, because they build a big hand while waiting for the Oracle, and then when Unreal Mob comes out, it means they're still stuck with that big hand. Yep. Uh, and like I said, in a pinch, sometimes I can, yeah, the Lunar Offering, and then on the next go, Subjugate. So uh, most buff removal is attacks, so that generally means I might be able to get that Lunar Offering off for 11 healing. Uh, I think at that point, the only real counter is, what do you call it, Potion Master, which isn't that prevalent. <laughs> and even then, when they reduce an 11 healing to, like, was it 8, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Um, still, 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 still worth it on your part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's 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 a bit of a struggle in places, but yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun when it works out. Fair enough. Yeah, I I I would love to see this in action sometime. I I, I might just have to try it out myself. We'll see. But uh, it, I think I played it on the stream the other day. Actually, it's possible. I will admit, yeah. I, I haven't. I remember, being, I remember being Harry with it. I haven't uh, gotten to see the stream in a little while, but oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, that that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Cheers. And that's where we're going to cut it off for this week. Be sure to head over to DeliverCrab.com slash 032 to get the show notes for this episode, which includes the deck list that Chris shared with us this week, as well as contact information for both Chris and Benny if you want to talk to them, if you have questions about this deck in particular or anything Lightseekers related. This past weekend was the final regional in the U.K., that means nationals are coming up, and they're actually coming up very quickly. This coming weekend, June 1st through 3rd, is the UK Games Expo, and that is going to be the location of the Lightseekers UK National Tournament. Good luck to everybody that's made it into nationals, gotten your invites. There will be a last chance qualifier at the expo. I don't have details on that right now, but I'm sure if you contact Chris or Benny or anyone on the Lightseekers team, they'll be able to give you details on that if you're interested, if you still need to get your invitation to Nationals. Be sure to tune in next week to catch Benny's new deck list, which I won't give away too much, but I guarantee you it features a hero that we have not yet seen on this podcast, and it's one that I'm guessing most of you haven't played with. I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I am, but I gotta get out of here, because I got some more deliveries to make.